everyone. Welcome to I'm Fine. I'm so glad that you guys stayed with us in our journey so far. And looks like you guys showed a lot of love to our previous video on narcissism. Thank you so much for that. And today we have uh, with us our guest, Ms. Sachi Arora, who's a clinical psychologist. Welcome to our show. And today the topic is going to be on trauma. Uh, Ms. Sachi, hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, how are you feeling today? Hi, thank you so much for having me here. I'm doing great and I hope the same for you. How are you doing? I'm doing great too. Thank you so much for asking. So uh, let's maybe start talking a little bit about how you would like to define trauma first, because nowadays, like we speak about all the mental health terms, people tend to use them so loosely. So uh, what would you define trauma as and a traumatic experience as? So, uh, Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of times trauma is often identified with events like abuse or neglect or any sort of rape, molestation, bullying. Well, I do agree that these concepts are certain types of trauma, but I would say traumatic experience is any experience that overwhelms your capacity to deal with that situation. So if, if, even if it's a breakup, like a probably a lot of people don't look at breaking up as traumatic because a lot of people you know end up saying things like oh it happens to everyone big deal nothing great about it and I think that that comes across as a very insensitive thing because trauma may not be traumatic for a certain amount of people but trauma can impact on certain number of people and that is a traumatic experience for them so anything that overwhelms your individual capacity and of course, acknowledging that everybody's capacities are different. We can have traumatic experiences ranging from, say, criticism to breaking up to having a family, you know, where there are a lot of conflicts to, to having, you know, events like abuse, molestation, bullying. I mean, they all fall on a spectrum. And if any of these are overwhelming your capacity, they are traumatic. And, and I think uh, the reason why I mentioned this is so that we can stop, you know, uh, invalidating anybody's experience by letting, telling them that it's not big enough or it's not a big deal. Because, yeah, if it's overwhelming your capacity, it is trauma and it, it can be a very overwhelming experience to have. So you were saying that each and every person's sensitivity is going to vary and they'll have a different threshold point. And if anything that overwhelms that is a traumatic uh, incident. For example, even if a kid is called out in school to talk about something and she couldn't, that can be a traumatic experience as well for her. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, but you are right. We do end up invalidating people's trauma very easily, uh, which brings me to the next question. Like, what if a trauma survivor usually immediately feel after being traumatized? And what are the things that you can, you know, if you know someone's hit, been, been hit by a traumatic experience, for example, the school girl experience that I told you, or if I experience somebody going through that trauma, what can I tell them to give them like an immediate emotional first aid? Absolutely. I think the most, most important thing is attend to what they need at the moment. I, I think that's very important. Like there's a huge myth around the whole, you know, emotional aid that they need to talk about it. They don't have to talk about it if they don't want to in that moment. If they just want to stay in silence and process, because like you like you said, you know, everybody's threshold is different. And if they have experienced something which is above their threshold, it will take them some time to process it, understand it themselves, to be able to really communicate it and talk about it to others. So I think that pressure definitely doesn't have to come. So just letting them know that we are there and if you need anything, 
I'll be there if they need silence. That's available. If they need someone to talk to, that's available. So yes, the first thing is to ensure and reassure them that we are there. We are there and, you know, if you need anything, because I've seen a lot of families do that when they come to me in therapy sessions. They're not talking about it. You know, they need to talk about it. It's like a myth that you have to cry and talk so that it all gets over. Well, talking is definitely important and essential, but if that's not what the person needs at that moment, we rather let them be at their own pace. And so I think letting them know that, yes, you can heal at your own pace. We are there to attend your needs to whatever you need at the moment and heal at your own pace. You will grow out of it one day, even if it's not today, but take your time, be easy on yourself and take it at your pace. There's no hurry. There is no pressure. There is no need to talk if you don't want to. So I think the very basic thing is that don't pressurize, attend to their needs and let them know that they have to be easy. They have to take it as slow and at their pace as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't deal with it properly, with what would they? I mean, first of all, what are they going through? Are they feeling unsafe? Because uh, is is uh, is that like the first reaction to trauma? And when they come in after their first session, most of the clients, what are the things that they experience immediately? And uh, yeah, so is it is it going to be the same for everybody who's experiencing trauma, or is it going to vary? Mostly, you know, we, we all have different experiences. So there are five patterns that have been discovered as per research that lead to trauma reactions. Number one is issues with safety. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been in a traumatic situation, you feel unsafe. And it's more like a perceived, I mean, of course, trauma does put you in unsafe situations. But then this person, you know, who has experienced trauma will constantly think that he's in unsafe situations. Yeah, very hypervigilant, very hyper alert. So that, that feeling of unsafety and feeling on the edge is always going to be there. Secondly, low self-esteem. You know, that self-victimization. Why did I have to go through it? No, and is there something wrong with me? Like people chose to believe me, not anybody else. Like, am I the weaker one? So, you know, they, they start judging themselves and putting their own confidence down. Number three, control. They feel like nothing's in their control. So there's a constant feeling of helplessness that eventually in the long run leads to hopelessness, that they cannot help themselves and there's no hope. Uh, then comes intimacy. You know, it, when it comes to their relationships also, they feel like they can't be intimate with anybody because if somebody in the past could do such bad things to them or be so, you know, uh, abusive to them, then intimacy does get hampered in the process. And trust, that's the fifth thing, which they end up having a lot of trust issues people people will leave them these these trust issues are coming from their fears that trauma has led to that that fear of abandonment that fear of you know people will leave me um in in a lot of cases you will also see the signs and symptoms of trauma ranging from physical emotional cognitive spiritual and behavioral level like you know a lot of people don't process their emotions or they avoid it as much as possible and we all know, like, we don't take care of our mental health as much as we take care of our physical health. So, you know, these symptoms will start showing up in your body in the form of headaches, backaches, migraines, body aches. And that's because, you know, you will attend to your body. Like, any discomfort in the body is attended to a lot more easier than mental health concerns. Secondly, emotionally, like we know, you know, sadness, anxiety, anger, they are very prominent because there's so much going on in their mind. 
cognitively they're not able to pay attention they are constantly invaded by the memories of the trauma so their concentration attention will automatically get hampered spirituality you know it's it's like they've lost faith in god or i mean if there is any higher power that they ever believed in they feel like what's the point of having faith when you know that faith could not protect them in the times they wanted to get protected in and finally behavioral terms you will see a lot of gambling substance abuse all of these impulsive behaviors coming into the picture because that is their attempt to you know escape from that painful reality so these are all the ways in which you know all these signs of trauma and somebody who survived trauma will look like okay um but if somebody takes doesn't take help for this and if the trauma stays unresolved for a long period of time does that uh, impact the individual's functionality or can they just keep going on repressing that feeling first they cannot like every time there's a trauma because it's such an overwhelming experience there is denial they will be like ye ho nahi sakta this is not possible how could this happen they will repress it they will suppress it they might go on for a while but like i said these symptoms will start showing up somewhere they'll either show up in your physical body and if you know if your head is aching and if your body is aching there is no way we can function like the fact that we both are sitting here is because maybe there's no discomfort in the body and hence we can have a communication somebody who has unresolved trauma and if they're going through a lot of pain they'll not be able to do a desk job or they'll not be able to do any job because discomfort in your body won't allow that similarly you know any behavioral sign where you are doing impulsive behaviors again it will impact your uh, functioning so impact of the trauma is such and if you're at the cognitive level if your attention concentration and memory is getting affected then again it will have an impact on your functioning because if you can't recall things at work then it's not helping uh, if there are overwhelming feelings of anxiety anger sadness they these impacts in themselves make it very obvious that you know the functioning will get hampered because trauma has ways of showing it might look invisible to us but it's visible in in the form of all these signs and symptoms which eventually lead you your functioning to get deteriorated so you know only once we deal with the impact of the trauma and the effects of the trauma we can then go ahead and expect that the functionality will improve Other than these things that you've told me, does trauma manifest in um, other ways like night terrors or, um, you know, like flashbacks and nightmares? Can you explain what these terms are? Because these are certain things that are associated with trauma as well. And what does one go through when they have these? So basically, you know, when we have a disorder called post-traumatic stress disorder, which is usually a disorder that comes after. Um, the trauma has occurred now th- these are all the symptoms that you have named flashbacks nightmares night terrors they come under this and if these symptoms continue for 6 months we can say that the person has post traumatic stress disorder and these naturally happen and the reason why they happen is that a lot of us don't want to get in touch with any painful incident of our life so we can we'll go on avoiding it we'll go on repressing it we'll go on suppressing it for as long as we can jab tak you know ho sakta hai we will try to push it as much as possible in a way so that the trauma does not affect now when that has happened when you have avoided it when you have repressed it it will have its way of showing up see it's a huge incident at the end of the day no matter how much you repress it and suppress it it will show up unconsciously even if you're not consciously trying to remember 
where are you suppressing it? You're suppressing it in your unconscious. The unconscious mind will show up all these events. And, you know, that's because, and it's actually good also. Like, it's a good thing because um, if you, you know, if you are getting these symptoms, that means the unconscious mind is wanting you to process what has happened. The fact that you're avoiding it and repressing it means that you're not processing what has happened, which will eventually deteriorate your quality of life. So the unconscious mind indirectly is making that attempt that, you know, get in touch with your trauma and process it and, you know, make peace with it because you have to move on and move forward in life. Now, what are these exactly? Nightmares are basically very scary and very disturbing dreams. So unconscious mind does show up in your dreams. It's the expression of dreams are the expression of the unconscious mind. So when you sleep and, you know, all your day you've avoided the trauma, the unconscious mind where all this rep repressed material is, uh, all those disturbing dreams will show you the traumatic events to help you process it. Then comes night terrors. Night terrors are often confused with nightmares, but nightmares are dreams, whereas night terrors are feelings of fear. So when you wake up from your sleep with intense fear, like, you know, you're, you're waking up and you're feeling very scared. It could be a result of the nightmare. It could be a result of a disturbing dream. And you suddenly wake up, your heart is palpitating, you're breathless. That feeling of fear that you wake up with is a night terror. You're almost feeling like, you know, you're doomed and it's over. Flashbacks, on the other hand, can happen to you even when you're awake. So I could be awake right now and I could get, just get intrusive images in front of me of what happened. And it could literally be those very vivid, clear images of that traumatic incident repeating itself right in front of me. So it, it again happens very much when you're awake. And uh, that's how, you know, traumatic incidents show up if it's unresolved and if it's repressed for too long. And, you know, hence, when you ask me about functioning also, that's also one of the reasons why functioning will get affected because um, these unresolved trauma will not let you let you stay happy for long if you don't process it and the unconscious mind will always have its own ways to bring it up to you so that you can process it okay and these flashbacks i mean uh, these flashbacks that are going to be like intrusive thoughts that you're talking about they do they necessarily not have a trigger because this is the disturbance in the unconscious mind sometimes they do have a trigger sometimes they don't have to like you know if the in event is very recent and it's just occurred then you don't really need a trigger it's always on your mind that you're avoiding so yes absolutely sometimes it will come with a trigger sometimes there has to be no trigger like sometimes you know you can have triggers like you can be in a situation where you feel like there's less control you're in a situation where you're meeting new people and you don't know whether you can trust them or not you can be in a situation where you feel like you're not skilled enough so it will bring up those issues of confidence uh whenever you're posed in situations that are similar to the traumatic incident so if supposing you've had a traumatic incident in a school so every time you see a school even if it's not your own school but a random school it'll still trigger those memories that you have had in your school and hence it might affect but of course eventually uh that doesn't always have to be a trigger uh Sometimes there can be, sometimes there doesn't have to be. Okay. And you said about how people end up repressing it and it shows up in the unconscious mind. Is there any particular way they repress it, like defense mechanisms like dissociation or um, do they just compartmentalize? What kind of defense mechanisms do they usually go for? So the number one defense mechanism where it all starts from is denial. 
How could this happen to me? This can't happen with me. Why me? I can't believe it. So this is like the first reaction, the first defense mechanism that shows up. Then comes regression. So regression is another, so you know, the person almost starts acting like uh, nothing happened. It's like the event happened to me in 2010 and uh, today is 2023. Suddenly I'll act like I'm in 2008. Because, you know, that period was where I did not experience the trauma, where everything was fine, where I was happy, everything was great. So I sometimes, you know, a, a person who's suffering from trauma likes to go back to um, times when everything was good and happy and nice and regression becomes that place. And, and you will start noticing uh, people behaving in a very childish manner when uh, you know they regress they'll they'll go back to times and it's it, it won't look appropriate because i mean supposing you're you know acting like you're in 2008 that means like you're acting 15 minutes 15 years younger to what you are so imagine a 25 year old acting like a 10 year old so you will you will be able to see that childlike uh, immature behavior so yes starts with denial then goes all the way to regression and uh, you know even there are a lot of distorted views Overgeneralization comes into the picture. It's not a defense mechanism exactly, but a distorted view of the reality that if because things have been bad with me in the past, they will be bad again. So if my ex-boyfriend has gaslighted me, manipulated me, then it's difficult for me to trust any other guy on this planet because what if they also do the same? Or, uh, you know, black and white thinking. Everybody in the world is dangerous. Everybody in the world is behind my life. So, you know, these are the ways in which you can you can see trauma uh, coming up and your unconscious mind will, you know, and, and the reason why I also added up the distortions is because they're also part of the unconscious. A lot of times people themselves don't even realize they are engaging in this black and white and overgeneralized thought processes. And that will affect, you know, a lot of areas of their life, like their career, their relationship and other areas. Okay. And if somebody is a trauma survivor and is going through trauma and is overcoming it, how do how does that experience affect people who are giving care to them and who's who are trying to help them be with them? Sometimes, you know, of course, in the beginning, everybody wants to help sympathize and empathize. But if it continues for so long, uh, it can lead to a very normal and a natural phenomenon called caregiver's burden. But they almost feel like they're being burdened with somebody else's problems and struggles. And there might be love. It's not like these people don't love the person who has survived. But but clearly, of course, they have a life of their own. And um, it does affect, it It does create a burden. They they start doing things not out of empathy and sympathy anymore, but but out of obligations, out of expectations that the you know survivor has from them. Which eventually, you know, so it's usually said that these relationships become very heavy to handle then. It's almost like, you know, it's, these relationships start weighing you down as a caregiver. Eventually, it also becomes a problem for you to take care of your own needs because you're so busy taking care of the survivor's needs that by the time it comes to taking care of your needs, you're too exhausted. Then you just want to go back home and, you know, do nothing and go to sleep because the little time that you have left, you just want to, you know, not spend it on anything but resting so you don't get that time for your own needs it all becomes at the end of the day of course the survivor is not doing this purposely but it does become toxic where the burden just you know weighs down the person and and 
you know doing things out of obligation is not a pleasant experience because you know it, that the pressure on their shoulders is like too high so to everybody out there who's you know burdened with this care i always tell them one thing that you know do do take care of your you know loved one who's a survivor of course there's no uh, you know there's nothing there but yes ensure that you're not obligated to heal them all your life and ensure that even if you are taking part in the process of their healing do not compromise your needs in the process like your needs matter and they need to be prioritized because if your cup is not full then there's no point filling up anybody else's so ensure that your needs come first and it's not only your job to heal them you're not entirely obligated take part in the process but don't think like you're the only one who can heal them that that's not your job and not entirely your job at least and when people now on the same lines if people are sharing about their trauma with if it's a traumatic let's say if it's a very graphic and traumatic event and they share it is it's obviously going to affect other people a little bit as well so is it better to just process it during therapy and what is trauma dumping if somebody shares and overshares the trauma is it called trauma dumping and how much does that affect another person absolutely absolutely i would say that you know uh, trauma dumping is when you overshare like you said and it's like okay fine you know sharing your trauma is not a problem but the issue is that you know trauma dumping is all about i am oversharing without realizing that the other person doesn't want to listen like he is not interested or it's getting too much for the other person so you know sharing is not a problem but oversharing with that level of insensitivity you know it's almost like you're being insensitive to the other person's needs that that they don't want to hear or they have had enough of hearing and they don't think you know they want to continue with that conversation and it's also that the other person is making it clear you know let's change the topic let's talk about something else but but still you know you get so overwhelmed by your trauma that you don't consider their needs that you don't give them the regard for you know telling you that they want to change the topic and uh, so sharing is not a problem trauma dumping is having negative effects because the person who's oversharing is not being considerate of the other person's needs not being considerate of whether the other person prefers to hear it or not and they are not uh, considerate of you know the sensitivity because to be very honest uh, what if you know the person who is hearing all that trauma has their own experience that could possibly be overwhelming them and you know these kind of talks are only you know becoming those triggers which is activating their own trauma and if the person who's sharing is not realizing it you're doing a lot of harm to the other person without realizing and it's all unintentional you can we can't really blame the survivors here they are just lost in their own and absorbed in their own trauma but i guess uh, if it reaches that level of being in inconsiderate then it becomes harmful and it can have an impact on the relationship where the other person might end up avoiding to even make a call to you or reach out to you in any any situation yeah and we spoke about ptsd i wanted to ask about complex ptsd and if somebody's had multiple traumatic experiences when they come to you what does that look like compared to just somebody who's had just one traumatic experience complex ptsd is definitely when they've had multiple layers of trauma so you know we also call it layered trauma for that reason so it's not just one trauma but various so you know it's like a child has grown up with 
abusive parents and then you know gone to school and been bullied by friends and then you know grown up and had an abusive partner so the layers keep building and the patterns that i've spoken about you know pattern of control intimacy trust safety self esteem they only get stronger and stronger the effect is the same but the effect is much stronger so the symptoms will be the same the signs will be the same but the patterns will be the same but they will be a lot more stronger because they've had like layers of experiences that have reinforced those patterns over and over over and over again so you know the the problem that the challenge that happens in therapy is it's extremely difficult to break the patterns of somebody with a complex ptsd in comparison to somebody with ptsd because you know when you had one experience it's easier to challenge those patterns and break through those patterns but with complex ptsd on the other hand it is it is difficult so what we usually do is we pick up one pattern at a time with complex ptsd we we do a lot of narrative therapy in this like narrative therapy is basically where we ask them to narrate that the traumas that have you know been associated with a particular pattern say pattern of control um so when we start narrating it the person starts getting desensitized to that uh, incident he starts integrating and embracing that incident following which you know he can have a realistic and a more objective view uh so yeah here we will not particularly talk about incidents with patients we will mostly talk about their patterns and we will try to you know take it easy with them and one pattern at a time one incident at a time we are going to work through those patterns and break through those patterns one by one so they would get to revisit the trauma in a more safe environment like in therapy and they would be able to um kind of reframe the narrative from being the victim and helpless and things like that absolutely absolutely okay um if somebody is going through trauma for a long time how do we um i mean do they realize it or how what are the signs that tell us okay this person is probably experiencing trauma so that we can intervene and tell them you know you need help so when they are going through it and i think we need to have at least 6 months as the deadline where you know we we feel like okay after 6 months also if they have not been able to move on or let's say if they have not been able to break through their patterns so when we see uh, how open they are so you know openness really matters it's a very important sign to notice so usually what happens when i say let go and move on these are such loosely used words but what i mean by it is that are you able to um, you know experience you know are you open to new experiences basically letting go is are you open to new experiences while you acknowledge what has happened in the past with you open to new relationships open to new career opportunities open to meeting new people but if i if i still feel like there's a tunnel division there's a tunnel division where i just don't want to move away from my trauma i just don't want to retract from my trauma and i just want to constantly you know ruminate over the trauma and uh, don't want to like you know expand your perspective so yes uh there is definitely the, all those signs and symptoms of nightmares night terrors flashbacks if if these physical symptoms are uh, existing for too long if these patterns are being difficult to break and if the person is not being open to new relationships new opportunities new people and they are too closed and 
too tunneled in their minds. And at the end of the day, if it's hampering their functioning, if it's, you know, leading to their distress, and if it's going on for more than six months, then it's a sign that one needs to, you know, uh, see a therapist or seek professional help in order to overcome what they're going through because maybe there's a lot to process in there. Maybe there's a lot that's going on which is unexpressed and which is repressed and maybe seeing a professional can be helpful there. And what does healing look like? Of someone who is, you know, how would you know that this person's overcome trauma and is doing better now? So healing will usually, you know, they'll come in stages and it's like the first stage is feeling stabilized. I think when the client who's just survived a trauma, he's very overwhelmed, like too much anxiety, too much anger, too much sadness, like there's a lot going on. He first needs to stabilize. Like I cannot educate him or restructure his patterns before he's stable. So I guess like, yes, definitely the first thing is he needs to stabilize. We can use some relaxing activities for that. We have to ensure that the client is given enough validation, empathy, feel stable. So once they have relaxed and once they have calmed their body, their mind, once they have narrated their trauma, they feel a little calmer, they feel a little stable. That Then comes the next stage, which is mourning. Mourning is basically, you know, you're mourning the... The, the loss that you've had, like, you know, what you were as a person before the trauma, you kind of moan and grieve over that loss, you know, like you grieve over that identity. You know, I was like this and, you know, trauma so obviously uh, you grieve over the loss, so, you know, let them grieve. Let them remember their times when trauma had not occurred. Let them, let them go through that mourning process where they'll cry they'll confront their emotions they'll get angry they'll get sad they'll they'll get anxious they'll they'll get very controlling they'll get very hyper then comes you know the third step which is reconnecting now they finally have moaned now they're reconnecting and reinvesting in life where of course now they are you know starting work again getting in touch with their friends again talking to people again like they're, they're still like starting life again one step at a time. And finally comes the fourth step, which is growth. They grow out of their trauma. They realize that they're strong. They realize that there are other po new possibilities to life. They, they start to appreciate and be more grateful to what life is. Uh, sometimes they become spiritual. Sometimes they just, you know, uh, discover a lot many things that they did not discover before the trauma. So they take this trauma as a lesson, not as a trauma anymore so yes you know we all grow out of our traumas and these are the ways in which you know we we, we heal one step at a time okay so that was a lovely way to end the episode because that gives me so much hope and it definitely looks like people can make their life better and grow much better from the trauma instead of letting it hamper them in the way that we spoke about the many ways in which it can hamper them the growth and the post-traumatic growth that comes out of it seems to be so beautiful. So anyone who's out there who's struggling and who hasn't taken help yet, I would really tell you guys to please reach out because this, like we've spoke about, is conquerable and something that would make you grow abundantly. So uh, please do take help and please do heal. And let's all take care of one another, be kind to one another and stay healthy and happy always. Thank you. Bye.